If you have played fantasy baseball for any amount of time, you know that you're never in the clear. It's never truly safe. We welcome you to the Baseball Elite Podcast. A brand new week here as Ray Flowers and myself, Kyle Elfrank, get rolling. And uh, Ray, I think you've played a lot of years of fantasy baseball. And, um, you know, like even if you're in first place right now, um, just wait a day or just wait a week. Um, Even if you're healthy right now, just wait a day. Maybe wait two hours, but... Fantasy baseball, you're never like even in football, Ray, Sunday's over or Monday's over and you can like breathe a sigh of relief. You know, if you won or lost, you get like two days off. None of that in fantasy baseball. Yeah. In the last week, and I could be mistaken with this over at Tout Wars, but I think this is accurate. I've gone from first to third to sixth and six days i mean it's you know and that's just you know am i panicking or anything no that's like you're saying that's just how it goes um it's funny how people i've seen this from people too like oh you know my team is great in this but bad in this it's like it's been two weeks of games like i think it's a little premature to be scoreboard watching on a daily basis yeah really really through the first few weeks right you know i this will eventually end you know we'll get four or five weeks in and then we have to start looking at where we're strong where we're weak all those things but I really think for right now, it's just making sure you've got guys out there and that you're healthy. Like really the number one thing is just making sure you've got guys playing every day and that you've got roster depth and that any injuries you have, you're kind of back ending and filling in as best you can to those injuries. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's not that you don't want to play matchups. It's not that you don't want to think long-term about categories and pay attention to the standings. Like all these things are valid, Right. But you're right. The, the main focus right now is staying the course, I think. And the interesting thing is that people, I think, fall into two categories. One, they didn't follow the rankings over at Fantasy Guru. Now they're wondering why their guys aren't performing. I've seen that a lot. What do you think about this? And I, I got so many questions about Drew Smiley. And it's like, folks, I've never been a Drew Smiley fan. Never once said I like Drew Smiley. Never said draft Drew Smiley. In fact, I said the exact opposite. Don't draft Drew Smiley. Don't come to me now and say Drew Smiley sucks. Well, and, and here's the thing with a guy like Drew Smiley. Who who did you think you were drafting? Like yeah. you called out the name Drew Smiley. Have you bothered to look at his career? It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you get when you draft Drew Smiley. Yeah, with his ADP of 243, apparently no one bothered to look. Um, so you have people that fall into that category, and then you've got the people in the other category that did follow the rankings at Fantasy Guru, that, that did put together a good team, but guys are struggling to start. You know, and, and in those cases, you got to talk the people down, right? Because, you know, it, and we know how this goes. It, it's Mercedes who's still hitting. It's Badu. You know, it, there's, there's a guy every week that kind of emerges that everyone gravitates toward or a pitcher that everyone gravitates toward. And it's about, you know, staying the course with the patients, the players that you have that are better options in 95% of the cases because it is a 26-week season. It is 162 games. It's a long year. So many topics to cover on uh, this podcast. We want to welcome in all of our uh, freebies, if you want to call them that, the people who take advantage of the uh, free release uh, at the start of each week. And we do want to remind you that if uh, you head over to uh, Fantasy Guru and and sign up, uh, you're going to get this podcast three times a week throughout the season. We do a midweek, we do a weekend, and of course, we do the one here to start the week. And we always like to begin our show with the starting nine. And uh, hey, speaking of injuries, we're going to lead off with a big name possible IL stint. Ronald Acuna getting hurt in Sunday Night Baseball. We'll give you our read on what the latest is with Acuna. Uh, In the two hole, we'll talk about another elite player, but a guy who's healthy and a guy who is dominating. 
Uh, what a start it has been in 2021 for Shane Bieber. In the three spot, it's our weekly check-in on the Sirius XM Host League that both Ray and I are competing in. Warning you through some of the hot ads on the waiver period uh, for last night. Our player profile will take a look at a recent call-up of the Arizona Diamondbacks in the cleanup spot of the starting nine, JP, or excuse me, JB Bukakis. Um, if you're looking for saves, you might be looking at JB Bukakis of the Arizona Diamondbacks. In the five hole today, we'll take a look at the value of Michael Kopech. What is the fantasy value of a guy who doesn't get saves? and who doesn't start baseball games. But we're seeing great numbers for Michael Kopech. In the six hole, we'll take a look at the weekly planner highlights. You can catch that at Fantasy Guru, courtesy of Rob Povia. We'll spotlight a few of the things he brought up. Seven spot, we'll talk some news and notes, some other injuries to get you in the eight hole. It's our random reference, and we'll close things down with our stamp of approval. Ray, let's start at the top. I guess it was two weeks ago. We let off the podcast talking about the great Shohei Atani. He had that... Uh, remarkable game hitting and pitching um, on Sunday night baseball against the Chicago White Sox. Now here we are two weeks later on a Monday, Ray, and we're talking about Sunday night baseball and an injury that occurred this one to Ronald Acuna. And just like Otani, uh, this injury uh, may have occurred at home plate again uh, a couple of times. Ronald Acuna stretching for a base once at first, once at home played, and he left uh, Sunday's game early with an abdominal strain. And as we sit here right now, Ray, it's kind of wait and see time and, and just what do we hear from the Braves? But my gut tells me that the best player in fantasy baseball uh, may sit down for a week or so. And this is the one thing that sucks about recording anything, because we're going to record this and then the information is going to break, you know, four minutes after it's posted, right? Because we'll keep an eye on it here for the, the duration of the podcast and hope we get some information. And Ray has tried to raise my pay and say, hey, Kyle, are you yes. willing to update the podcast? And I'm like, are you willing to, to triple my pay, Ray? Yes. And he not always a, says no. So blame yeah. Ray for that, for that or, problem. Or blame Kyle for not doing it for the good of the sport and good <laughs> of the listener. Uh, I mean, this is, this is, I agree with you. I think that given everything that we know right now, I'm kind of anticipating an aisle step. Now it might be short and all that, but we'll see. We, we don't know. I, I find it really weird because the information comes out that, you know, they needed to wait till Monday because they couldn't run the proper test last night. Do you buy that? Like what? I don't know. I mean, this is this is your franchise in essence. You, you they have an idea of what this is. Come on, I know that you need imaging to verify yeah. things and all that, but it's, it's not well, there. Doctors and, and know they'll, what they're they'll doing. Tell you, you know, swelling and things like that yeah. too. You often need to have that calmed down. They they probably Ray have a good read and they'll look for confirmation today with the yeah, scans. That'd be my guess too. I just think that it's been worded weird. Like, oh, we didn't have the information. <laughs> we didn't have the materials. We didn't have the the tools. You know, whatever. It's um, I. I who knows? Again, my anticipation like yours is that there's likely to be an aisle stint coming. Let's hope if that is the case that it's short term. Uh, it could be four to six weeks. I mean, it could be significant. Uh, and that's the danger of, of these type of injuries. And we'll have to we'll have to wait and see with the guy who, who's been carrying fantasy squads, including Jeff Manns and myself team in that Sirius XM host league you mentioned, Kyle. Yeah, his, his numbers are insane, Ray. Yeah. Um, you know, could they get much better? I, I don't no. think they can. I mean, he... <laughs> He leads baseball in runs. He leads baseball in homers. He leads the NL in, in ribbies. He's He's got a near 900 slugging percentage. I mean, these things you just never see. And Ray, yeah, okay, it's April. But, I mean, even 16-game stretches 
you're not going to see many 16 game runs like this all year in 2021. Oh, absolutely not. And in addition to all the numbers, and Jeff Manns has said this on his radio show, which is four to six Eastern Elite Sports on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. I'm on with him Thursdays, by the way. Um, he has said it repeatedly on the show. He's tweeted it on his account too. That when is the last time you've seen a star player play harder? Like he's taking the extra base. He's running full speed on ground. Like Acuna is all in right now. And to see the injury happen for baseball, to see the injury happen for his, you know, his fantasy squads and for his own team, it's it's really terrible timing. And I think in the broader picture too, Kyle, it's that if he is indeed down, that's the third outfield that this team has lost because Ender Enciarte followed Christian Pache to the injured list too. Um, maybe we see Drew Waters because they're going to have to inject some talent here. Um, it's you know, you can't lose three starting caliber outfielders in Major League Baseball and likely put together a very good group out there. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you said the, the, the use the term um, timing there. They could, talking about the Braves, kind of play this the way the Brewers did with Christian Yelich. And, you know, the Brewers eventually gave, it, gave in. They put them on the IL over the weekend. But I'm looking at the schedule for the Braves, right? They're off on Monday. Mm-hmm. They play Tuesday and Wednesday. They're off on Thursday. True. They could sit around until, like, Friday. Very good point. Yep. before they make a decision. And I bring that up because for the fantasy player, and, and unfortunately, we, this is the only week this season, outside of maybe like if we have games on you know Memorial Day or the 4th of July or Labor Day, like, like Ray, on this Monday, we've got the Patriots Day game mm-hmm. with the Red Sox going on today, uh, Red Sox, White Sox. And, and so that fast forwards everything with setting our lineup. Um, I don't think we're going to get the news on Acuna and and maybe we get it this afternoon, but I kind of think maybe it could be even later in the week. Now we may get, you know, Dave O'Brien of the AJC saying, you know what, it's it's leaning towards the the, you know, they're they're under the assumption he's going to need an IL stint or no, they're going to wait and and see how he feels Friday. They may wait this thing out, but for the fantasy player, I you have it. You only have five games this week. Mm-hmm. E- even if you had them, it might just be better to sit Ronald Acuna this week. Yeah, and Rob Povia's uh, piece, uh, preview piece, he talks about the games played, and the Braves are one of those teams with five games, as you noted. It's a great point you brought up with how they could handle him, just like Yelich was handled. Um, I, I, if you set your lineup weekly, I mean, how do you tell someone to take the best player in baseball to the lineup? Exactly. But, <laughs> but I think it makes sense. Now, it, it really does depend on who you turn to. You know, that, it's always the context, right? It's always the context of who you turn. If, you, if you're turning to, you know, a struggling Andrew McCutcheon, go for it, right? Okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. If you're going to sit there and, and, and tell me you're going to, you know, throw in Taylor Trammell, eh, you know, it's like, so I guess it comes down to, to who you pivot to. I think the smart move is, is probably to bench him. And I, and I think that we've seen this too, because I've gotten the question a lot about the Astros. We're expecting the Astros guys to come back off the injured list, the COVID injured list, um, what, Thursday? And so people are saying, what do I do here? And I have Altuve and Brakeman. I got these guys everywhere, but I'm not, they're not active this week hmm. because I'm half the week without them. Uh, even if they're activated on Thursday, do they play all four games there? Or do they give them a day off? Teams often do that when guys are returning from you know time away. So it's a tough call, but I think Acuna should be on your bench this week. You mentioned the Braves with all those uh, injured outfielders. Uh, we've seen journeyman Guillermo Aridia kind of step forth um i don't think anybody should be racing to the waiver wire for a 30 year old um who has bounced around between seattle tampa pittsburgh the mets and now the braves uh, but through four games he's at least given them something in center field they're maybe going to need a lot more so that acuna news again as we speak right now um no great read they're saying it's an abdominal strain um, a lot of times it's like why risk it 
why push it? But then again, you're talking to Ronald Acuna, and as Ray just mentioned, this is a guy who loves to play, loves to race up and down the field. Is he really willing to sit down for 10 games when he is oh so hot? Uh, these guys don't like that. They want to stay in that streak. They want to stay in that groove. Uh, this could take Acuna out of it. Now, moving to the two spot, Ray, uh, speaking of grooves, let's go to the hill. And, you know, semi-bad news with Acuna. At least we get to give some good news when it comes to Shane Bieber. Um, a guy that so many invested in on draft day um, always seemed to be a solid three. You, you never really saw him break into that two hole with Cole and DeGrom. You rarely saw him fall to the four spot or the five spot. It, it's like Shane Bieber was considered by everybody the third best pitcher in fantasy baseball. So whereas this start has been great, uh, Ray, this is not unexpected. This is not unheard of. But it is worth mentioning that Shane Bieber has come out and thoroughly dominated. Um, I'm sure everybody's seen the number. His first four starts, he's had double-digit Ks in all of them. Uh, he's he's thrown almost 30 innings in his four starts, which historically means nothing. You know? But in 2021, Ray, the fact that he's taking the baseball and firing zeros and getting three outs and doing it quickly and firing strikeouts, great to see utter domination from him. Yeah, and I've got a couple of historical notes, too, just to bring it home. Um, he tied Nolan Ryan for the most strikes strikeouts through four appearances in the season since at least 1906. That's a long time. But you think 1906 is a long time. He's the first pitcher with 10 strikeouts, his first four starts of the season since 1893. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the start has been historically great. Uh, and the the craziness is, is, as historically great as it is, like you said, it's not really – like, it's not mind-boggling. It's not Johnny Cueto doing it. It's like, well, yeah, you know, this is the guy in Bieber who is a big-time strike thrower. Uh, the strikeout rate this year is actually, if you can believe this, one-tenth uh, lower than it was last year. <laughs> so his, his K per nine rate is up, but his strikeout rate is one-tenth lower. Um, so it's, he's right on pace with what he was. His, his strikeout minus walk rate, it's 33%. Last year, it's 34%. If anything, Kyle, the one takeaway from the early going is he's walking more guys than ever before. Now, again, this is four starts. Let's not get stupid here. And he's still walking 3.1 guys per nine innings. But he uh, he's just this good. And when he is locked in and when he is throwing strike and making his pitches, we are seeing what he can do. And it's a continuation of what he did last year. His K per nine rate is 14.7. Yeah, it's insane. Is, is, is that possible for a starting pitcher to keep that number? Well... The, the 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 supporting evidence suggests that that number is sustainable if he can keep it up. The, the reason I say that is because, look, swing strike rate was 17% last year. This year, it's 21%. That's unheard of for a starting pitcher. His CSW was 34% last year. It's 37%. That's considered Hall of Fame level. Okay, so the supporting pieces are, are there, but then there's the logic of how the hell can you do that? Like, there's always someone that sets an all-time record, right? We know that. There's always a Mike Trout. There's always a Barry Bonds. There's always someone that does that. And so you can't, I can't, I can't sit here and say that it's impossible for him to do what he's doing to this point because the data there is supportive of what he said. What I can tell you is that historically speaking, there is one pitcher ever who has a 13.9 13 or better strikeout rate, and that was Shane Bieber last year, and that's cheating. <laughs> because he, you know, you know, he didn't make, you know, he threw 75 innings or whatever it was. The all-time record is 13.8. So could he set a record? Garrett Cole did that a couple years ago. Could he set the record? He could. But even if he's going to set the record, is he going to be a full batter past it? 
just can't see that being sustained. And and one, he's made four starts. Um, you know, in a, in a perfect season, you, you thirty two starts. So let's say he's made one eighth of his starts. Um, that's twelve and a half percent. Now, why am I throwing all these numbers out? Ray, you mentioned last year seventy seven innings. He's already at twenty nine and a third. He's almost forty percent of the way to the number of innings he threw last year. So again, 12 and a half percent of his starts, and he's already 40% of the way to the innings he had last season. And, and Ray, I bring that up and and I don't worry about Shane Bieber. The Indians are going to let him go. You know, if he makes 32 starts, he's getting 220 innings, but Ray, I, I bring that up because it's a reminder of what Bieber and all these pitchers are dealing with is, is how, you know, it comes quick where they're going to equal the amount of work they had last season and everybody will be treated differently. A lot of them will not be treated like Shane Bieber. In fact, 80% of them, 90% of them won't be treated like Shane Bieber. It's something to follow. I don't worry about it with Bieber, but that just speaks to what we're dealing with this year. Absolutely. And what the storyline today, you know, mid to late April is injuries, right? That's what people are focused on and worried about. The story in three months is probably going to be our guys having start skipped. Like that's just, you know, where we're going to end up. Cause you're right. Guys are going to get on that number quick. And depending upon how they look, depending upon their track record, depending upon their age, depending upon their contract status, like all these things will be factored into whether these guys are allowed to keep going. Something we've talked about, you know, just because a guy threw 170 innings two years ago, if he threw 60 last year, are they going to let him throw 170 again? Are they going to let him jump that thing 110 innings? There will be instances where certainly they will allow that to happen. There will be instances where they don't allow that to happen. So it's going to be the struggle. Now it's the injuries. Later, it's probably the workload. Next start for Bieber, uh, probably looking this weekend against the Yankees. Um, and, and that used to be something you were scared of, but I don't know if you're scared of it anymore <laughs> with the Yankees. They just they can't hit the baseball. They're 5-10. and 10. Uh, Pretty remarkable with the New York Yankees. Let's move to the three spot in our Baseball Elite podcast here on a Monday. And Ray, we always like to check in on Monday with uh, some of the bidding action in the uh, league that you and I go head to head against each other in. It's a Sirius XM host league. And I was pretty active on the, uh, the the waiver period this week. I added three guys. I thought I would get one, but um, I added three. I don't know if I need all three, but I got all three. I got Alex Cobb for 53 bucks. I got Travis Shaw for 54. I got, uh, who was the other one? Da, 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 da. Uh, gosh, it just escaped. Oh, uh, the guy we're going to talk about a bit, Bukakis. I got him for, for the 50s. I need saves. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to go in that direction. I, I was kind of surprised I, I snuck both Cobb and Shaw, though. Those were the ones that I knew I overbid on Bukakis because I need him in that league. Right. Um, I need some saves, but I was kind of surprised to get both Shaw and Cobb there. Uh, I'm Cobb. I was, I bid on Cobb. I didn't go nuts. My bids were, was half your, your level. You were at 53. I was at 23. So I just threw some bids out. Cause I thought, what the hell? Cause I've got injuries. So I thought I short term it. And if it worked out great, if not, it's okay. Um, I am a little surprised though on Travis Shaw. I didn't have a need at the corner. So I, I didn't bid on him. Um, but I, I am a little surprised by that. He's off to a hot start. He's, he's obviously locked himself into the, the lineup. Um, you know, and, and there there was only the the next highest bid was twenty eight, so you didn't go nuts there. You you, you bid to, to win the player, which is totally fine. Um, but there were a lot of other guys that were above the price point. Oh yeah, you know yeah. Um, the price points that we paid. I I ended up with Jerks and Profar at twenty nine dollars because other guys that I bid on like McKinstry and Lowry, people went kind of nuts on. Yeah, McKinstry up to ninety three. Uh, Jed Lowry, see, somebody still believes in Jed Lowry. I think Howard <laughs> Bender got him for 81. Uh, Kendall Graveman was was the big ad this week, Ray, 135 mm-hmm. in that league. 
Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't really even thinking about, again, I need saves. Uh, but I guess I said to me, I, I guess I'm holding Kendall Graveman's career against him. I just don't see him as a closer. Now, maybe he ends up with 35 saves. Who knows? But I still think Montero is kind of the guy long term. Um, I didn't really even think about Graveman. I was much more on, on Bacacus than I was Graveman. But 135 is a is a fairly significant number for him. So you went Bacacus at 55. I bid on Graveman. I bid 61. So right in that same area. I chose a different player, but right in that same area that you were at, basically. And then we had the bid at, at 135. And, and I think that that goes back to what we talk about all the time. Because you look at the other, there was another bid of 61 for Graveman. So there were two of us in the uh, 68, excuse me. There were two of us in the 60s. And then Anthony Aniano doubled that. That's the area you end up in when you're, especially when you're playing this stupid game of saves is that <laughs> you end up having to overbid because you got to get the guy. Graveman is throwing harder. The Mariners are raving about what he's doing. He's looked good. Rafael Montero has not looked good. Flat out, flat out. Now Montero was brought in to be the closer and all that. I think that adding Graveman is a strong move at this point. Now, spending 14% of your budget to add him versus doing it two weeks ago where you could have got him for 2% of your budget, that's the game. That's what we talk about all the time, especially with the bullpens. I know it's almost impossible half the time to figure these things out, but if you can be aggressive and jump this, and you could do, you could do your last spot on your, your roster this way. You can have it just be a carousel. You know, this week you pick up this guy. This week you pick up this guy. This week and you just spend four bucks on each guy to your thousand each week on the reliever wheel and play the wheel of fortune if you want. Mm-hmm. Because when you don't, when you wait to the point that everyone's kind of noticing the players, oh yeah, he's getting there, the cost skyrockets. Yeah, what what you could do is literally look at every eighth and seventh inning guy in baseball, uh, see how many are actually available, um, see how many are backing up even a slightly shaky guy in the ninth inning. And Ray, you could just bid on those guys, like you said, every week, two bucks, grab them, see if an injury happens and and you've beaten everybody to the punch. It's now it's that's a game of investment because you are going to have to look at who's available and you're going to have to understand, you know, 30, some 30 teams and and who's going on in the seventh and eighth inning. So like it's it, it. that's one if you're serious about winning. That's something you do each week if you're looking for saves. Yeah. And it's it is a lot of work. Uh, and what happens is a lot of people look at box scores, right? And they try to, they, and they don't, they miss the nuance. And a lot of time, this is something that, you know, you've mentioned here on the podcast, we talk about on our show on Sirius that, you know, look at what happened. Why was this guy using the eighth inning? Well, the three, four, five guys were coming up. So the team called on their quote unquote closer to work the eighth inning. So the backup guy got the save. That does not mean the backup guy is now the closer. It was look at look at uh, Sunday's game in the Bronx, right? Diego Castillo is pitching in the seventh and eighth inning of that game. A great, exactly. Yep, and he's clearly their best pitcher, and he's clearly their closer with Tampa. But he was brought in because of the game situation. So it's not as easy as just hey, who got the save, who didn't get the save. There is more to it than that. But it's a game that it, you know we're all searching for saves because no one wants to do leagues that don't have saves. We're all searching for saves. And in order to get ahead of it to the point where you can make smart investments, you've got to do what we're suggesting. Because, you know, if you go out, if Kendall Graveman gets five saves this year, that was totally wasted money. Because you can find another middle reliever. You could have spent the the $4 on a middle reliever this year whose numbers are going to match Graveman's. You're just not going to have the saves. So that component there is very important, identifying it early so that you don't have to bid a price point that the guy has to come through with saves or you're in trouble. 
we got some news over the weekend about Jordan Romano maybe being back as soon as this week. And I think that really lowered the uh, investment or the bidding on Rafael Dolis in this particular league. He went for $77. If, if we had not had that news on Romano, I think Dolis would have been right up there with Graveman um, in solidly into the 100s. Uh, some other notable names, uh, Dane Dunning going for 50 uh, Joe Ross, who has a two-start week coming up, goes for 71. And then again, Zach McKinstry almost getting to 100 bucks. He goes for 93. Anthony Desclafani um, also getting into the 50s. He lands at 55. Uh, Ray, let's talk a bit about the guy that I secured in that league. J.B. Bacoscus, uh, player profile time in our cleanup spot of the starting nine. And it, I, I will admit at the start, Ray, um, it's a cluster in Arizona. It is. It's it's a mess, but I think this guy has the best talent. Um, I think it's weird to call him up if you're not going to use him in some more high leverage situations. Um, this could be a bad bid. Absolutely. I get it. But hey, when you need saves, you make moves for these guys. I didn't think I'd be regretting the 50 bucks that I that I, I don't think at the end of the year I'm going to be yelling about the 50 bucks. I'm taking a shot on the arm. Uh, he got called up Sunday now. I don't know if he was available for that game on Sunday, but they went to Stefan Crichton uh, to get the save, and they used some other guys too. So Bakakas didn't even get out there. Uh, but this is a prospect, and this might be the best pitching prospect the, the D-backs have right now. Uh, I might make you a little sad here on a uh, Monday oh, morning. Right. Yeah. Let me have it. What do you got? Uh, Sunday night, 7 to 9 Eastern, the GM's Corner on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. I host that with Jim Bowden. And we had Mike Hayes in the GM of the Diamondbacks on last night. Oh, gosh, I don't even want to hear this. Yeah, I should have yeah. listened to your show. This is going to – see, this is what fantasy owners should do. I yeah. didn't do this, and we're all going to learn a lesson together. Yeah, there you go, Kyle. Um, and I asked this question. I said, hey, man, what's going on here? Like, this is uh, – help us out. I, You know, I, I worded it more professionally than that. But <laughs> I it, And I started it by saying, look, your team story is down, and then we've got a whole host of guys. You know, tell me, tell me what's going on here. And I think the main point that Mike Hazen made, which is the heartening point, the main point he made is that the manager wants there to be one guy and Mike wants there to be one guy. Like that's how they want this to work. Now the question is, who's the one guy going to be? He mentioned Bukakis right, Bukakis right off the start because, you know, like you're saying, there's just, he, he said, he's got a great arm. I don't know if he's quite ready yet. So I, I don't think he's going to get the first shot at the job. He mentioned Crichton, Ginkle. He left out Lopez and I'm pretty sure he mentioned Clark. So my sense from, from hearing this is that they, they kind of want Soria to do it if he's healthy. That's kind of my sense. Again, he didn't say that. And then it's, it's either Crichton or Ginkle was, again, my sense. Uh, I, he, I, you can't pin the GM down. You know, I could ask the follow-up. He wouldn't have answered it. It didn't matter, you know. But the youngster, he, he basically said what you said without saying it word for word. He's got a great arm, bright future. All, to, all this stuff to like, but it might be too early for him to take over in the ninth inning. Well, he is, uh, what is he, 24? Mm -hmm. So it's not like this is a 21-year-old. And, and I say, pro I mean, he's a top 75 kind of prospect. I don't think anybody thinks he's going to just dominate. Uh, and, and the expectation is he's kind of seen more as a starter long-term. Um, but, Ray, I and maybe it goes as simple as they got tired of him sitting around and not playing games because he is 24. He, mm -hmm. he needs to be sharp because they're probably going to use him at some point this summer. I, I just look at what Arizona has there. And I think it is kind of a cluster. And when I see a team bring up an arm like this and they're going to move him to the bullpen to me, it doesn't take much of an imagination for him to at least move into the seventh or eighth inning. And maybe I don't get my saves. I may not. 
Um, but I can get ratios, I think, from Bukakis. And sometimes that's the route. Um, and I have mentioned this on the podcast before. In, in some leagues, actually most of my leagues, I'm kind of going that route this year. I didn't invest in any high-end closers. And so I invested in those big arms, whether they get saves or not. And I'm not going to yell at myself if he doesn't get saves, but I would like some good pitching, whether it's in the seventh inning, the eighth inning. You know, I'm doing something similar with, um, you know, like TJ Antoine. You know, it's 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 kind of a kickoff great. scenario, yeah. Yeah. you know, that he pitches twice a week. But it is usually two and a half to three innings every time out. And the guy has been mostly unhittable. I mean, he's just been dominant. And so it, it's not working out perfectly, Ray. Um, and I think eventually he gets into the rotation as soon as the Reds start having injuries. But I'm getting ratios right now. And, and frankly, that that still helps, you know, getting those K's, getting those ratios. It's not the save, but it does still help you. So I'm kind of hoping for that with Bacacus. There are some leagues where you have innings pitch limits. I don't think that any league should have an inning pitch limit. I think you should have a, a minimum. Like you shouldn't be able to throw, you know, 82 innings. You should have to have the minimum. But I don't think there should be a top end. You should be able to run nine starting pitchers out there all, all season long if that's what you want to do, you know. Um in those leagues where you don't have the innings cap, there's no concern with using these guys at all. You know, maybe maybe even in leagues that have a cap, we're not concerned because guys aren't going to throw 200 innings this year. But, you know, I know the guy who's in the five-hole today, Michael Kopech, we're going to talk about in a second. You mentioned Antone. Like, if, if Bukakis falls into that realm of pitching, you're fine because that is completely usable. You'll pick up an odd win here or there. You'll get tremendous ratios. You get big-time strikeout numbers. That style of pitcher is usable in virtually every format except those that may have that innings cap. To close it on Bacoscus and uh, Arizona, when it's all said and done, Ray, who leads this team in saves this year for Arizona? I said it earlier. I'm probably wrong. I'll just stick with what I, Ginkle. But, you know. You, you've, I, got some, uh, you've got some shares in Ginkle, don't you? Yeah, like I have one share. Um, but it, it's, it's funny that because uh, I'm looking at him this week and I wanted to drop him in the one league I have. And I was like, ah, I'm going to hold another week and just see, you know, because I think I have no confidence in that call. So I'm not listener. Don't go out and, you know, add him and drop a good play. I'm just saying that's my guesstimate of what's going on here, but it is a guesstimate. Um, we just don't know. And, and I'll say Bukakis because, hey, I've already put money. Yeah. But to, to round it back to our previous thing about the waiver rate, like, and I know nobody really runs them on Mondays, but you've got a, a deep roster and you can stash a guy. Yoan Lopez is your $2 grab this week. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, yeah. you know, his numbers are fine. He's finished some games. He's, you know, he's 28. He throws hard. Um, they're not, his numbers don't jump off the page, but again, you're, you're looking at four or five guys who could get saves for the diamondbacks. Uh, your one and $2 guys are probably the smarter way to go. Cause there's no investment there. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not going to regret the $2 that you may have lost on Yoan Lopez when he could actually earn you back like 250, <laughs> depending on how he pitches. Uh, let's move to that five spot Ray, because again, it kind of just flows naturally from our discussion. Uh, the value of Michael Kopech, he got the uh, start on Sunday in the second game of a doubleheader. Uh, I think he went three and a third innings, uh, was on cruise control for the most part, ran into a bit of a trouble there in the fourth inning, but still a very fine effort for him. He's looked awesome this season, and it got me thinking, Ray, what is the value of Michael Kopech and maybe uh, two or three other guys like him in the big leagues? These guys who mostly every time they're used, they're looking at two to three innings. Um, their ratios have been great. They may fall into a win or two. You know, maybe Kopech ends the year with with five, six wins. I think that's possible. 
uh, but they're really not seen as saves guys. So how do you handle uh, somebody like Kopech? He's, he's looked awesome. He's looked dominating. Now it's two and a half weeks. It's like five appearances, but you can't complain with the results we've gotten from him. No, we, you know, Jeff Manns and I have him in the Sirius XM host league that you were just discussing, and we've had him active the whole time. And so we've had the benefit of the, those strong performances. You know, he's an interesting case. There's guys that fill this role, and you're interested. And I think in the case of Kopech, he fills this role, and you're really interested. Now, the reason I say that is because we all know the talent he possesses. The off-the-field stuff, you know, what it is what it is, and let's hope it's all behind him, and he's in a good frame of mind and all that. You know, he's had issues on the field with teammates in the past. Like, there's all this guy's track record is, is messy. He's almost 25 he's, years he's old. He's a fiery individual. Yes. <laughs> he, he, you know, he's, he's thrown 25 innings at the big leagues. He's 25 years old, and he is an elite prospect. Like, he should have had 250 innings by now. Okay. So, right now, he's healthy, and he's rolling. And the difference between him and a lot of these other guys that filled this role is the sheer dominance he brings. And we're seeing it right now. He pumps gas, and when he is on, he's in the Tyler Glasnow mold. When he is on, they can't hit him, flat out. You're not hitting him. The issue with Kopech is there have been periods of time, and I mean periods of time, where he's lost the strike zone. He will go two weeks and not be able to throw a strike. Like There, are, there have been huge periods of time where people are looking at him going, what the, he looks like Nukalush. Like, what's going on here? He is on his game right now. He is dominant right now. He's filthy right now. So he is usable today because he's doing that, like as Kyle suggested, he's doing the two-inning thing, which gives you, in essence, double what you're getting out of a lot of these setup guys that you're rolling out there consistently. Doesn't have the saves upside of those guys. Fair. But he also easily could end up doing the Ryan Yarborough, I'm following an opener and I'm giving you a long outing kind of thing. Or the White Sox could even move him into the rotation. Yeah, I was going to say, his role, Ray, could change three or four times this year. Yeah. And the, the issue with him is also workload because he got up to 140 innings in 2018, but he didn't throw a pitch in 2019, didn't throw a pitch in 2020. So it, does he have yeah, but this innings? kind of workload, right? Because what they're doing is like two innings, you're off three days. Yeah, it's like two innings, hard... you're off three. Like yeah. his, I think, I don't really have, as long as they're thinking bullpen, because you're right, a normal guy, and if he were a starter, I would have big concerns. But I think this role is one that absolutely fits him coming off last year. And it's smart. As an organization, it may not be what he wants to do, but it's smart. Because like you're saying, you can manage it this way. In essence, he's throwing two really hard bullpen sessions and taking a couple of days off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's really smart, right? And so I think you, you look at that and, you know, could he do that and throw 100 innings this year? Eh, probably. Is that their cap for him? Is it, like you're saying, they're going to make, have him make five starts and they're going to pull him back and not use him really for two weeks? I, I don't. So the, the role change could throw this up into a little bit of a, a confusing scenario because if he starts, is he out there throwing five innings or not? Probably not, right? At least not consistently. So does that damage his win total? He might have a better chance at wins in the role he's filling now anyway. I think he's a very intriguing arm because of obviously the talent he has and we're seeing how dominant he can be when he's on. The only places I have him are in daily leagues and, yeah. and I love him there, Ray, because Absolutely. like, yep. you know, yesterday I see what he did, you know, I've got other relievers. So today they're playing again, but I have zero expectation. Michael Kopech's going to pitch. I, he's not through three innings yesterday. So, you know, I yank him out of the lineup. He'll probably be out of the lineup tomorrow too. And then I'll bring him back in there Wednesday. Now, if you keep playing that game, you're going to miss some, you will because emergency situations happen, but 
it allows me for those teams where I have like four or five relievers, I'm kind of rotating out on a daily basis. It's just great to have him because I'm pretty well certain of which days he's pitching and which he isn't. Um, so, so it kind of helps me with that maneuverability. Um, I'd like to see him stay in the, the bullpen, Ray. Mm-hmm. I, I like as a fantasy owner, that's where I'd like to keep Michael Kopech this year. Yeah, I think that 20 years ago, that, it, that was unlikely to happen, right? At some point, they'd send him down to the minors, they'd stretch him out for three weeks, and they'd bring him back as a starter. In 2021 baseball, teams are perfectly comfortable using guys like this. They use guys like this consistently. And if they can use him consistently like that this year, let's say they get his pitch total up to 85 innings or whatever this year, and he pitches really well, they'll feel perfectly comfortable throwing him 130 next year as a starter. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it fits where he is in his development right now. The performance is saying it's working, and I hope they do the same thing all season long. And and we started this discussion. What is the value? Ray, can he be a top 20 reliever used this way? Yes. Okay. And, it, you know, that, and, and I think people hear that and like, Ray, come on. Yes, he no saves. That's that's yep. the issue. He yeah. can because of the workload. Because if he's throwing 85 innings and the other closers and those guys are throwing 62, big difference there. If he's striking out 14 guys per nine innings and, and they're striking out 12, it doesn't sound like a lot, but over 25 extra innings, big difference there. And I think the biggest key for him is that we just talked about the Diamondbacks. How many teams don't have a clue with what they're doing in the ninth inning? How many guys are getting 25 saves this year? This is not an era in the, like in the past where you, every other team had a guy with 30 saves. It doesn't happen anymore. So if we only have 10 guys with 30 saves and only have six others with 27 – like that half the teams in baseball don't have a guy with 26 saves. So that brings the pack back to him and gives him the opportunity to rise up the rankings. Moving along in our starting nine, it's uh, time to take a look at the weekly planner. Again, we had Rod Povia on the uh, weekend podcast here at the baseball elite show. Uh, Rob put out that article, I guess, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, it's updated throughout the week, but it's a thorough run through of everything you need to know for the week to come. And not just for weekly league players, even for day to day, You can see all the pitching matchups and DH issues and home and away and how many games. And Ray, we like to highlight some of the things from that article every Monday. And and one thing off the top, and I I mentioned this to Rob when we visited and I got his answer. I want your answer. Mm. Uh, We got a five game week for Colorado. Do do you play the, the, all five games are in Coors Field. Now five games, we usually bail on guys. We we don't like just a five game week. Let's, let's go use my guy. Who's not the same player, but he has seven games. What about whenever you're playing in Colorado five times and you got Rockies? Do they still do they still belong in your lineup? You know, I, if it was the Blake Street Bombers, hell yeah. This version, I mean, am well, I going to? Story t- and Blackman are givens, right? I, I, yes, I was going to okay. say that. So but, then we get to like CJ Crone, who's hitting nothing, right? Uh, you know, Garrett Hampson, who may actually only play like four of them, right? If, if they do the usual, those are the guys that are the headache. Yeah, and the answer to the question, the answer to your question is, I think beyond the two guys you mentioned, Blackman and Story, I think the rest of the guys take a seat. Hmm. I mean, I just, you know, you can, you can look at Tapia, and, and he's he's really a batting average play, right? He's not a big, he's got speed, but he doesn't really steal base, doesn't have much power. So, you know, maybe you miss out a week in him hitting 350, but okay. Ryan McMahon had the great start, and you look at his counting category numbers, they're great. His batting average is down to 267. His on base percentage is 279. Okay, he's back to being Ron McMahon after that extremely hot start. You mentioned C.J. Crone, who don't drop C.J. Crone. I got that question a couple times over the weekend. Don't do that. Um, But I don't think he needs to be active this week. The outfield is messy. How much is Hillier going to play? You mentioned Hampson. Fuentes has hit the dumps. 
So, you know, the catching situation, who's catching each day. I mean, you know, we've got Diaz with 31 plate appearances. Nunez is 30. We don't even know who's, you know, it's so no, I think that you're other than those two guys with the way the offense is producing right now, they're on the bench. Other five game weeks, Toronto, Baltimore, Atlanta. Um, there are some seven game weeks, big one for Boston. All seven games are at Fenway. So that should play uh, into their hands. And then one thing to mention on the two start pitchers, Chris Paddock is now lined up for two Ray, but they're tough. Milwaukee and LA, the Dodgers and the Brewers. Um, a lot of people have soured on Paddock. They're not, I, I guess that it was one of expectations. Everybody wants him to be an SP two. Maybe he's more like an SP four. I, I actually might give him a shot this week with two starts. I know they're difficult, but I think Milwaukee on the road is a little different than Milwaukee at home. Um, I'd be rolling Paddock out there. It could burn me. I, I think you can make arguments both sides, but I'd stick him out there. Yeah. I mean, on the plus side, three starts and no home runs. So he struggled and he still kept the ball in the yard. And the home run has been a huge issue for him over the, the last couple of seasons. The fact that he's struggling and he's not allowing the home runs, you could say, well, he's struggling. And what happens when he allows the home runs? Or you can look at the other side. He's struggling, but he's still, you know, he's still keeping the ball in the yard, which I think is a really important thing. Um, I have him in two leagues. And because of the two start status, I'm playing him in both leagues. I also think it obviously helps that, you know, Kane is out, Yelich is out. Uh, when you're talking about the Brewers, but this is a very important week for Paddock, not to the point where we're going to drop him, you know, and, and don't go nutso here, but to the point where we, we might have to reassess our, our sights, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, he, he may not be SP 28 this year. He might be SP 48 and that's okay. As long as you understand it, that doesn't mean you dump the guy because people do that rage drop. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like the guy's gone. And then the rest of the way he's, you know, SP 32 and it's like, well, that's not that bad. Mm-hmm. So it's an important week for him. The concern for me, and again, the Brewers don't have Christian Yelich. Uh, they don't have Colton Wong, Lorenzo Kane. So, again, I'm fine with that start. The concern, and we talked about with this with the Dodgers, I mean, that team knows how to draw a walk. They obviously can burn you. And Chris Paddock's had some walk issues this year. So if the Dodgers employ that game plan and Paddock is not at his sharpest, you know, that game could be over quick. But <laughs> I think I, I like the Milwaukee head-to-head, so I'd probably get that a shot. Again, check it out over at uh, Fantasy Guru. Uh, Rob Povey's article, of course, Ray's got his ramblings that are posted all week. So loads of things uh, to follow for the fantasy baseball player. Let's move to the seven hole, talk some news and notes. And as we sit here right now, recording on a Monday, Ray, it appears that Shohei Atani will start for the Angels on Tuesday. He threw a bullpen session on Saturday. Uh, that'll be his first start in, I think, 17 days or 16 days, depending on how you add it up. Uh, but his first start in over two weeks. And honestly, Ray, I really can't see him going more than five innings in that Tuesday start. Yeah, I thought you were going to say 17 years. It's been a long time since he's pitched. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, you're probably right on the, the depth now. He could, it depends on the, the pitch count, right? I mean, let's say they're thinking 75 and they could let him throw 80 if he's dominant. You know, he can go out there with 71 innings and hit a sixth inning up. Like it's possible, but he, everything would have to go just right for him to, to probably go more than five innings. I think that's totally fair. Yeah, and he's up against Texas. Uh, that Texas team is bad. They are. I mean, I mean, Baltimore went to Texas and shut them down all weekend. It was crazy. But so, yeah, Otani, you got you got to play him there. Uh, now, we talked about the Ronald Acuna situation earlier. Uh, just a quick update. And again, as we record this, the Braves are awaiting an MRI. So uh, maybe we do get some news today. But we got other issues too, Ray. Uh, Starling Marte left Sunday's game early with what appears to be a side injury slash oblique. Um, over the weekend, Gavin Lux placed on the IL. Uh, just as we called, go back and listen to last week's podcast, Steven Strasburg on the IL. 
that's why you should listen to us and not managers. Davey Martinez and Steven Strasburg deny, deny, deny that Strasburg was hurt. What did we tell you? He was hurt. What do you know? He's placed on the IL yesterday. Also, Lance Lynn Ray mm. landing on the IL. That kind of came out of nowhere, although the White Sox say it'll be 10 games or 10 days and 10 days only for him. It was interesting on the GM's corner at 7 to 9 Eastern Sundays. I was talking to Jim Bowden. I asked him, I said, because we were talking kind of behind the scenes. And I said, you were a GM. You ran teams. What did you tell your players and your manager with this stuff? Because Strasburg said he was fine. He was pissed off that anyone was questioning it. His manager said he was fine. He's not fine. And, and, and Jim goes, well, look. When a guy loses three miles an hour in velocity, which Strasburg did, he's either hurt or his mechanics are bad. He goes, it takes him about four minutes to see if his mechanics are bad with all the cameras and everything they've got now. So they know immediately whether his mechanics are off. So then they know he's hurt. So he goes, when I ran teams, I told the managers not to answer the question. You know, <laughs> let, have the doctor do it. You're not a doctor, okay? Because he, he, And he didn't say this, but he basically said he didn't want people lying. You know, he, he goes, look, the fan and I loved hearing Jim say this. The fans are paying your salary. This is a public game. Okay. There are things that they deserve to know. And that that's the truth when it comes to the health of players. He goes, HIPAA is one thing, you know, if you're dealing with okay, but you hurt your arm. You got to be honest with people. The the nationals weren't honest. Okay. So now what we have to do, anytime a nationals player is hurt, we have to think, well, they weren't honest with Strasbourg. Are they being honest now? We you have to do that. In the case of Lynn. I mean, I'm not saying that the White Sox lied or anything like that. But where the hell did this come from? Did you? I didn't see. Did you, Kyle, see at one single report of a concern? I saw nothing. Uh, he, he probably came out of his last start, and the next day he just said, "I don't feel." Right. Yeah. I mean, Lance Lynn. I I don't see him like even removing himself in the middle of the game. Right. And 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 Jim also. We Jim and I talked about that too because I said, "Look, it seems like," and I didn't have data to share, but it seems like, for lack of a better word, guys are wusses today. And he said specifically, this is the exact phrase he used. We taught guys how to play hurt when I was the GM. He goes, we, we push guys to play. If they weren't going to injure it, I guess is a better way to say it. If you're yeah. hurt, that's different than if you're injured. They didn't want guys playing if they were hurt, but if they were injured, they taught them how to play. Well, you know, you don't do this. You pull back a little bit here, that kind of thing. He goes, it was a badge of honor 20 years ago, 25 years ago. You wanted guys that played 150 games or made 30 starts. He goes, now no one cares. So, and because we were talking about Lynn, because it's like, look, he goes, I'm, he's like you, I'm shocked he came out of a game like this. He's the guy that always takes the ball. He probably reported the team says, hey, we're going to be, you know, we're going to pull back. We're going to be safe. We're going to play this as a six month season. We can't afford you to get hurt. So instead of letting him work through it and go out and pitch five innings and just be, they said, no, we're going to just scrap it, catch it now. Hopefully, hopefully we stop it from becoming something. And this is what we deal with. It's why, you know, and I'll talk in the stamp of approval about something that I think every league needs at this point because of stuff like this. Well, and, and with Lynn Ray, I'll kind of buy what the White Sox are selling for now. With with Washington, this is not 10 days with Steven Strasburg. Could be six and, weeks. Yeah, yeah I, I remember. Remember he had that calf injury in the spring training? I, I was actually on the on the serious show. I was doing it on a Sunday afternoon when that injury happened because it was spring training Sunday. Um, and I said, this may be nothing. You know, he may be back in a week, but this is your reminder of Steven Strasburg. This is your reminder. And, and let it be heard. Let it be known. Stay away. Just stay away. And, you know, he did miss, I think, like maybe a start in spring. And then he came back and everybody's like, whoo, sigh of relief with Steven. No, there's no sigh of relief with Steven Strasburg. Uh, this guy's going to miss time. He just is. And if you drafted him, hopefully you, you loaded up on some good pitchers and you're SP six or SP seven, cause you're going to need them. 
and you're going to need them for some time. And if you don't have those guys, uh, be prepared to make a trade to get an SP3 or an SP2. Be prepared to, to spend on the waiver wire for two-star pitchers. Uh, you are in the midst of the Steven Strasburg experience, and um, it's no surprise. You, you signed up for it when you drafted him. Uh, a couple of other quick things. Cabrian Hayes aiming for a late week return. Cross your fingers with Pittsburgh. And, Ray, I did want to mention uh, Jay Bruce has retired. Jay Bruce is out of here. See ya. Yeah, and, you know, Jay Bruce is a he's a really good player, and it's – you know, sometimes people forget, I think, how good guys were because they remember the the old guy or they remember getting burned on waivers or whatever. It's like Jay Bruce for years was hitting 30 home runs and driving in 90 runs. And that's really hard to do, you know, and there were holes in his game and all. Yeah, yeah. But I hope people remember the good times, Kyle, because there were for people that have been playing fantasy for 20 years. There were times where Jay Bruce saved their ass because he was the guy they took late, you know, the middle rounds and like, ah, yeah. And you go out and hit 30 home runs with 90 RBIs. Hmm. That'll do it for uh, some news and notes. We're to our eight and nine spot, which uh, every time on the podcast, the eight and nine holes are exactly the same. We don't switch up the batting order at the bottom of the lineup. We, we, we put our fun stuff there, uh, not our good stuff, because eight and nine, those are bad players. But our fun stuff is at eight and nine. It's, it's like a bunch of Billy Hamiltons at eight and nine. Um, <laughs> random reference will get us going in the eight hole. And uh, we got a good one here. Um, I, you know, we, we know the story with Colorado. They've been looking for pitching and drafting pitching and trying to develop pitching forever. Um, our player here in the random reference, courtesy of baseballreference.com, uh, was a first-round pick of the Rockies in 1993. So very early in their uh, birth as an organization, they were already looking for pitching. Jamie Wright came up with Colorado Never, never hit it with Colorado, but here's the thing, Ray. If you ask the Rockies, say, oh, Jamie Wright, he was a failure. Mm -hmm. Jamie Wright, what a bum. Jamie Wright, Ray, a 20-year, actually 19, a 19-year major league career. Now, he may have been below average, but you stick around for 19 years. That's damn impressive. What is the percentage of ballplayers who've ever played 19 years? Like less than one? It's got to be less than 1%. And Jamie yeah. Wright's one of those guys. Yeah. Over 2,000 innings, you know, it's over 700 games. He pitched for 10 teams, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, uh, this is there's, – there's a handful of guys that, that do the jump around thing and all that. But um, he, he's interesting, too, because for the first half of his career, he was a starter. For the second half, he was a reliever. He made, yeah, and he wasn't, he wasn't like a lefty Ray that just hangs no. on for dear life. This is a right-handed reliever that lasted until he was 40 years old. Yeah, I mean, his last, what, seven years, he threw 439 games and made two starts. Uh, in his first career, you know, he had 248 starts. So he, was, he went from starting to relieving, and he was, he was kind of not the same at all, but he was kind of like Michael Kopech. That's the kind of guy he was. Teams knew that they could throw him out there consistently. He would eat innings up. If they needed him to go two innings out of the bullpen, no problem. Now his you know strikeout rate it was five, so <laughs> it's not wasn't even but the same type of usage, kind of a forerunner of what we see today. But yeah, I mean, was he ever truly good? No, he wasn't. Did he have a couple of decent seasons? Eh, maybe. But dude pitched for 19 years and threw 2,000 innings, so I'm considering that a huge win. He had one season of double-digit wins. He had. Six seasons of double-digit losses. 
but I will say, Ray, I look at the back of Jamie Wright's baseball card and he was kind of figuring it out in his last four years. Yeah. Like, like his best four or five year run might've been at the tail end of his career. Yeah. I mean, his ERA, the last four years was three, six, you know, his career was four, eight. Yeah. And so he pitched, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's about 10 teams, 19 years, 33 games under 500. And this is something we've talked about when the random reference for those people that don't know, Kyle hits the button over at baseball reference. And it just, we look for a player that's in the, the fantasy era and it just randomly pops up. You know, we talked about this before that you actually have to be pretty damn good to be 33 games under 500 and still get the ball. I mean, it's that weird line of, yeah, you're not any good in the fantasy game, but in the real world, teams trust you to at least go out there, give them five or six innings in that game that they need it. And he was one of those guys. Well, I'm going to look here because um, I'm, I'm trying to, to remember. Okay, yeah, the Rockies did have picks in the in the late 80s, I guess. Um, did they have one in 90? I'm trying to find their – no, they didn't have a draft in 90. They had a draft in 92. I don't know if they were part – no, so 92 was their first year drafting as an organization. Um, John Burke. They, in fact, their first four selections were all pitchers. Burke, Thompson, Roger Bailey, and Lloyd Peaver. Boy, I guess we got a good run through of what the Rockies were going to do with pitching right away. And then Jamie Wright, the guy we're talking about, was the uh, first pick in 93. Uh, They started with five straight pitchers in that draft. Jamie Wright, Brian Raycar. He actually made the majors. Or Reeker, I think it was. Joel Moore, Doug Walls, Mike Selecki. So they were trying, right? They just have never figured it out with pitchers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine of 60 draft picks this year in 1993 for the Rockies. Nine of 60 ever played an inning in the majors. That's awful. That's terrible <laughs> draft. Come on, man. Like, and look at these names. I mean, even the guys that made it. I think Terry. Ray Flowers is on here somewhere. Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> that would have been right about the right time, too. Brandon Knight, Terry Jones, Mark Brownson, Derek Gibson, Ed, Edgar Clemente. Like, who are, like, Goodness gracious, that that was a terrible draft for that team. (laughs) That'll do it for the random reference to the nine-hole race stamp of approval time. What do you got for us? Yeah, and I hit in at this earlier when we were talking the health of players, and I'm just going to say it, and you can think it's soft, you can think it's lame, I don't care. I'm giving my stamp of approval to unlimited injured list spots. I know you can play this two ways. You can say, well, teams can stash players, and it's not fair because they just go to the waiver wire and grab guys or whatever. In the FSGA league that we drafted back in January, right now today, okay, which is what, April 19th, I have 11 players on the injured list. And I have a 12th in Starling Marte who we're just waiting for him to be placed on it today. It's a 29-man roster, and I have 11 injured slash 12 players on the injured list. We're less than, we're three weeks into April. And that's what my team is dealing with. And if I didn't, if, if I didn't have an unlimited list, I'd have to be jettisoning guys all over the place because it'd be, it'd be 11, 12 guys on my 29 players. <laughs> so I think at a minimum, Kyle, and we've talked about this, I think at a minimum you have to have five, but I'm giving my stamp of approval to unlimited aisle spots. Okay. I'm, I'm not there on unlimited. Because couldn't you go up and pick up? Well, I guess if everybody has, I don't know. I just, I hate unlimited things. Like some buffets, leagues, Ray. Some leagues, well, like labor, if you add a player off the waivers, they have to be in your lineup. So you could pick up an injured guy, but then you have to take a zero all yeah. week. So, so how many of your leagues do not have unlimited IL spots? Um, let me see. Couple. Tout Wars is unlimited. FSGA is unlimited. Labor is unlimited. Uh, 
the serious dynasty league is five. The serious host league, I believe is five. Uh, my fanball keeper league is five. So okay. most of the leagues are, are either five or unlimited that I'm in. I'm not in a single unlimited. Really? So maybe I just need to experience it. Or maybe I just need to keep avoiding Steven Strasburg and I won't need 11 spots like Ray. Well, Gabe Kyle, like what about guys is Lance Lynn? We're just talking about, come on. He's the <laughs> safest guy in baseball. Come on. I know. I, I feel for you, Ray. Um, my stamp of approval actually has something to do with you, Ray. Oh, Uh, stamp of approval to raise retirement plan because i heard a story this morning ray as i was brushing my teeth um in england there is a shortage of yard gnomes which for people who don't know ray flowers i mean ray how many yard gnomes do you have i don't know the answer i haven't counted them recently i'm gonna say 25 Oh, I thought you had more than that. It could it very well. well could maybe be. your should... retirement plans out as good. See, these gnomes are going up in value, Ray. Okay. And I, I thought that you were just banking these things for the right moment to well, sell them. There is now a shortage, at least in England, of these guys. There, there's a there's a big difference though too. There's the terracotta ones. There's the plastic ones. Like there's you know, I, you know what? I'll count them, Kyle. It's probably more than twenty. Uh, let's say thirty five. It's twenty five to thirty five. That'd be my guess. Has your significant when you guys made the move? Did yep. she force you to get rid of some of these? uh suggested strongly that uh, they weren't displayed in the yard um there are a few that are in the backyard that no one sees uh there are a few in the side yard that i don't even yeah, see yeah so uh, that's yeah. an embarrassment to her is what she's saying yeah. yeah true but now now we're getting to the point where she's taken on gardening so now we have like 58 pots in the front yard <laughs> with all kinds of you know tomatoes and all kinds of veggies and all that so i'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to have an intervention with her she's replacing my gnomes with potted potted plants well, maybe you can indicate to her that they're going up in value. They, they say because, you know, the whole COVID thing has sent people into the garden, just like your significant other. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing more of that. Right. Um, you've got, you know, these shortages all over the world with manufacturing and stuff. Uh, they said that thing in Egypt with the Suez Canal with the uh, Ever Given, that, that when it got locked up, it yep. slowed down a bunch of gnomes. Like a week, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying, Ray, those gnomes are going up in value. And I think you'll be able to cash out and call it quits probably in the next six months or so. Gosh, Kyle, I hope you're right. Stamp yeah, so. approval. Ray is uh, thinking, no doubt. Um, as we head out the pod door, Ray Flowers, where can the folks find you? Yeah, lots of ways to find us uh, over at fantasyguru.com. For those of you that are listening to the free podcast today, you can still sign up for the baseball package. You can still get the baseball and football package combo if you want to look ahead to. Uh, we've got the chat room where I'm, I have basically open most of the day answering all those questions for you in the chat room at the site. You can also find me on Twitter at baseballguys. You can find me on Instagram at the Ray Flowers. Uh, you can find Kyle and I over at Elite Fantasy. Um, you can use the promo code Rob30, Rob30, uh, to sign up over at EliteFantasy.com. That is our DFS arm. So if you want to still play hockey or basketball, you want to obviously play baseball, uh, golf. We got all those things over there at EliteFantasy.com, and Kyle and I host the live stream there. I'm Tuesday, Wednesday. Kyle is Monday, Thursday, Friday. That's from 5 to 6.30 Eastern time. So we got this podcast three days a week. He, he and I are over at Elite Fantasy five days a week. And then, of course, you can hear us on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio on Fridays and Saturdays, too. Ooh, that was a mouthful. Take a breath. I feel like Jeff Manns. Um, yeah. yeah. As for me, I'm just going to be uh, following the ever-ascending market on gnomes. Kind of interested in this now. So Let me know, Kyle. Yeah. Ray's doing stuff. I'm just twiddling my thumbs for the most part. Um, that'll do it for us. That does it for the podcast. Hopefully we did it for you. Going to see you later in the week, midweek edition of the Baseball League podcast. Have a good one. Signing off, Kyle and Ray. We'll see you then. Bye.